1: Hello, and welcome to another fabulous episode of Dear Multi-Hyphenate. I am your host, Michael Kushner, and I'm so excited that you're joining me for my 83rd episode. It's so crazy that, you know, I've done 83 of these episodes, and to think of the, the way people have expressed themselves is really cool, especially because this episode is being released on, you know, three years since the shutdown, you know, which is really wild. Um, I started recording it in December of 2019, only just a few months right before shutdown. And, you know, I thought it was going to be a very, you know, specific thing. But wow, did it go on a journey, you know, because we were all figuring out this together. And it was really cool to use this as a tool to help navigate and and communicate with people as we were, you know, navigating what the industry was looking like, changing every day, and it's still changing every day, you know, there's, oh my god, I was just thinking about, you know, how certain things in the industry look completely different, or, you know, the amount of, the amount uh, of Zoom, you know, ske- schedulings or how Zoom is so prevalent in our life, and, you know, Broadway's still masked, and, um, Still testing. I'm only just now starting to get back of Broadway show, backstage of Broadway shows. You know, I was just backstage of Wicked as Talia Suscawer wrapped her run as Elphaba, and no one's been backstage of Wicked. Like they literally were like, no one has been backstage, so no family, no friends, no no anything. And so that was really awesome. And I was backstage of Leopoldstadt photographing Casey Levy and Faye Castle and that was incredible. What a beautiful experience. So you know if you want to see those photos um but from backstage, head to my Instagram at the Michael Kushner. And speaking of Instagram, please follow, subscribe, you know, do all that good stuff. Uh you can follow me on Instagram at my, you know, my personal account, the Michael Kushner, or you can go to Dear Multi Hyphen it. Um also you know, head to Apple Podcast, drop a review. It really helps, you know, rate, subscribe, it takes a few seconds. So please, this is all free. You know, there's no subscription, there's no paid subscription, there's no extra, you know, Patreon content, nothing like that. So, you know, please just do that. That really, really helps. Um, yeah, that's, that's all I got to say. But what I have a question to ask you, it's it, you know, I was thinking about this, it's, I changed my studio space, um, you know, we, my fiance and I switched the the rooms and now I have a big studio space that is allowing like all this really good feng shui to come in and there's beautiful light and it's helping me, you know, keep it fresh. So what do you do to keep it fresh? What little or big things can you do to make sure that, you know, keeping it fresh is a part of your experience because you know you don't want your art to get stale you don't want your life to get stale so i I switched rooms that was nice um that helps keep it fresh but it can also you know be something very small it doesn't have to be materialistic as you um will learn in this episode because we talk about treating yourself and getting your snack but that'll make more sense when you listen to the episode i also want to call out you know uh, I'm in my multi hyphenate, um, you know, true, true to my multi hyphenate form. Um, I am starting a coalition, um, with Becca Sesgauer and Ari Axelrod, and we are starting the Jewish Theater Advocacy Coalition. And there's more to talk about soon, and you will find out more as I drop more episodes, but, um, If you would like to be a part of the Jewish Theater Advocacy Coalition, please email jtacoalition at gmail.com, and we will make sure that you are a part of the coalition. Through the art of theater, we want to create safe spaces for Jewish people. So that's what we're going to be doing. I'm not going to get into too many details right now, mainly because we haven't officially solidified them, but it is happening. And if you'd like to get involved, please do. And I would love to see your email. And again, as a reminder, um, my book, How to Be a Multi-Hyphenate in the Theater Business, is out now it's so exciting i was number one on amazon new releases in theater for like a week straight which was really cool and uh yeah it's just been really awesome had a fabulous signing at the drama bookshop you could see it on sale at the drama bookshop um i've been getting a lot of texts and emails and posts and stuff on social media of people buying it which is really really cool um, and I hope you enjoy it. Uh, the book is published by Rutledge Publishing, and you can get it on Amazon, you can get it on Rutledge Online, or you can get it at the Drama Bookshop in person, and more places will be announced soon. Okay, that's enough talking, Michael. Let's get into episode 83, Cheap Happiness or Lofty Suffering, featuring Michael Minerick. Michael Menarek is the director, acting head, and co-founder of the Institute for American Musical Theater located in Washington Heights, New York City, where alum is performing on Broadway, national tours, regional theater, film, TV, cruise ships, and other various performance venues. Michael has been a performer on Broadway in Les Mis, Rock of Ages, and Matilda. He was also in the Broadway first national tours of Urinetown and Little Women, as well as numerous regional theater productions, including Jekyll and Hyde, The Happy Time, The Rink, Phantom, Beauty and the Beast, Titanic, Wedding Singer, and many more. He is also a 12-time singer for the New York Yankees, singing God Bless America, as well as the National Anthem. Michael is also an accomplished theatrical producer with a Tony nomination for producing Rock of Ages on Broadway, the National Tour, and the Toronto production. Michael is also the lead producer on the award-winning musical Fat Camp, as well as producing the off-Broadway show The Scene, starring Tony Shaloub and Patricia Heaton at Second Stage. Michael is also a successful real estate agent in Manhattan for over 20 years. Michael was a business major at James Madison University. I hope you enjoy this high-octane, highly insightful, fabulous episode featuring Michael Minerick. Hi. Michael Menarik, how are you?
0: I'm living the dream. How you doing?
1: I'm, uh, you know, I, I, I knock on wood. Li- I'm doing the same thing. I just, I just um, came from a great trip in Sarasota where I photographed the um, the FSU um, Oslo Rep grad students, their new headshots. And Amazing. I'm getting my books in the mail today. So I'm, like, eagerly anticipating, like, holding it in my hand, which I'm really excited
0: about. Congratulations. That's awesome.
1: Thanks. I have no, I mean, my fiance keeps, like, telling me, just being like, calm down. It's okay. And I I don't really normally get nervous about artistic things. Like, I get nervous if I'm performing. I get the jitters. But, like, I'm having, like, not nightmares, but... You know, I woke up at 3 a.m. was like, oh my God, did I spell the title right? Like, like you <laughs> right, know what I mean? Right, like, is it, right. like, is, you know? So, yeah, because- That's fun
0: know, though, right? Being nervous is fun. It means you're like doing something exciting and out of your comfort zone, you're growing and evolving and challenging yourself. It's fun to have those little emotions, I think.
1: I think it's also really interesting to put something out there that's like so definitive in this. Oh, yeah. um, in this moment in time of our industry and how it is changing and how I feel like um, there's so many conversations about uh, uh, accessibility and inclusion and equity and diversity and, um, uh, you know, visibility. And it's, you know, we are moving, we are having very eloquent, fast moving conversations. So a book doesn't change until you Mm. do the second edition.
0: It's a great point. Yeah, it's it's static, it's concrete, right? It's cemented in time. That's really interesting.
1: I think, and I try to make it really apparent that it's like for every every, um, way of the multi-hyphenate, for new listeners, multi-hyphenate is an artist who has multiple proficiencies, which cross-pollinate to help flourish professional capabilities. So for instance, I'm an actor, photographer, producer, writer, podcaster, educator, and how do I create a lucrative career for myself without the need of a for now or survival job. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, that's what the book is about, but it's in third person. And I mentioned, you know, for every opportunity, there's a million other opportunities and ways and and pa- and ways and paths that you can do this. Um, and also that this is a reflection of right now, of, of a post-pandemic artistry. Mm-hmm. Um, so, and I make that very clear multiple times, and you know, post-pandemic can mean a lot of different things. Especially, there's certain chapters that I was most, a lot of chapters I was writing in the height of the pandemic. So, had to go back and change some and ask the you know publishers permission because we already we already I already made the deadline and I'm like well you know it changes right. things are changing right. quickly yeah um but uh, it's been interesting and thanks for saying that because um. You know, it's I'm getting a little I'm getting more excited than
0: nervous, you know. And that's the perspective you take, right? You kind of just not to define, but you, you take the perspective of what those feelings kind of mean for you. And so if we kind of change them from a negative to a positive, like, look at this wonderful journey you're on. That's an adventure, that's a new path. And how freaking fun is that? Instead of doing, you know, Dostoevsky talks, of, like, I love Dostoevsky, I'm a big mm. Dostoevsky and her, but he talks in the book Um uh, Notes from Underground, where he says people live lives of either cheap happiness or lofty suffering. Mm. And so it's like, do we stay in the cheap happiness vein of like, okay, we're just gonna do the same thing because I don't want to deviate from this, or do we go for it and see what the hell I happens and that's when life really is start living right and you're sucking the marrow out of it and just going for it. So I love that term. I tell my students that all the time. I was like, are we doing cheap happiness or lofty suffering? Are we gonna f- go for it?
1: That might be the name of this episode.
0: <clears throat> Dostoevsky, I love it. it. Makes me so happy. That's
1: great. I love that. I I start the book out with you know saying you know there's nothing wrong with a for now or survival job. If you like serving and I know and I have friends that love it works for them great go for it but what if you don't like it and what if you could do something else and mm-hmm. you know the beginning my first chapter is about the why why do we do what we do and I think right. that's that's the first question that you have to ask yourself as an artist um my my professor at Ithaca, um, Cynthia Henderson, always implored our characters to ask the why, why, you know, the super objective, why, why are we saying this? Why are we having this conversation? What? And I was like, well, we can ask that as people, if these characters are asking, we're asking them that of our characters, we can ask that of ourselves. And I know there's plenty of research on the why and books on the why and blah, blah, blah. But as Sondheim's, you know, wrote in, um, in Sunday, you know, anything you do, let it come from you, then it will be new. And this is my perspective on that. Yes, fist pump. We have fist pump for on time.
0: <laughs> I love that quote, man. I use that with students as well. Like, let your soul express itself through its art, and let it come from you, and it'll be independent and beautiful, right? I mean, I lo- I'm so glad you said that. Keep going, though. I apologize. That was great. No, yes.
1: no, 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 no. I I was just saying, like, you know, what, like. What happens if you just are are aware of the fact that you've been going to Dunkin' Donuts every morning and clocking in at nine a.m. and punching out at five p.m. and make like what if you could and it was because of the work situation you were putting in or the creativity situation you were putting in? What if you can change that by just asking yourself like, why am I doing this? And I love that you said that uh, that you t- talk to your students about that because. You know, when we're doing song interpretation, when we're when we're working with our with students or, or we're in, you know, in the studio, working on a song for our 16 bar 32 bar cuts, whatever, someone already chances are someone already sang the song. Right. So, you know, uh, people write parenting magazines often. People, uh, there's multiple parenting magazines, there's multiple books about travel, there's multiple TikTok accounts about Disney World, but everyone is different because it came from that person. So when someone is so worried about telling a story and they're worried about someone else having done it, well, what's your perspective? What is your point of view?
0: preach it i say that all the time i was like you came from four brothers and sisters from colorado and your parents worked at dunkin donuts straight how does that come into your interpretation of the song that's wonderful right it'll be different than mine like you like horses i hate cats you love dogs like whatever the heck it is right i think all cats should die because they're actually on earth to kill us all but that's my own personal philosophy and we could talk about that another time but like i'm i'm right with you i mean i tell the kids all the time too we, we have a saying at the school is like seek the joy of your own experience basically we want to be the school of joy and when you walk up the steps of our school it says choose love and breathe and seek your joy and also says get a snack because I make sure to tell all my kids that once you share your art in this world treat yourself you were just vulnerable and shared something from yourself go get a snack whether that snack is a Dunkin Donuts hash brown for 99 cents or it's to call your aunt Lucy every time you have an audition treat yourself and I remember putting that up on my Facebook and all of my you know I can say Broadway friends are like Moneric, everybody calls me Moneric like Manaric all I thought about was my snack all I thought about was that snack afterwards to treat myself because if we make what you just said the goal of the audition about the joy you share and the art you put on the world, and not about the job that you have no control over, and then the snack you get afterwards to treat yourself. My snack was uh, Mrs. Fields Nibbler's Chocolate Chip Cookies and a 2% Milk in Harold Square. Oh. I would go from Ripley Greer, walk there, down it, and think to myself, I'm in New York City singing what mm-hmm. in the heck is my life? I am so lucky. It wasn't about the goal of the job because again, I have no control. It was my perspective of, I got to share my art today in a studio mm-hmm. and one double O whatever a zip code in the my, at my time, the greatest city in the world. And I got to sing and express my soul on this earth on this rock around this big ball of gas in this universe. I, holy shit. And that's what I try to impart in the kids. And that's why a lot of the kids are, are still really happy because they're like, they even write to me, Mr. Merrick, I got my snack today. They don't say I had an audition for X. They're so happy they got a snack and shared their art in this world. So I'm right with you, man. It's the joy. Why do we do that? Because uh-huh. it fills our souls up and puts it on fire and gives us joy on this, this planet, this rock. And I tell the kids too, when that joy is gone, maybe don't do it anymore. Because like you said, find the why. Don't just keep doing it because you're supposed to. So I agree with you.
1: I think you're my new best friend. I'm kind of obsessed Yay! with you. I really, I'm in love with you already. Um, <laughs> I ask after every single headshot, I go, what are you doing the rest of the day? And and they're like, I might get pizza or I might watch this. I was like, look, you did one huge thing for your career today. And I'm a huge proponent of do one thing for your career at the every day. And at the end of the year, you've done 365 things, right? Wow, yeah. You know, if you put it in a perspective, even if one of those days is sending out one email, you still sent out one more email than you did yesterday, right? Yes. Um, but I'm in love with the whole idea of, of you know, go get your snack. I think that is in, in this industry is really, really difficult. And, you know, a huge perspective change is that, you know, they're not necessarily not rejecting you. They're not rejecting your soul.
0: Right, right, yes, say it. Yes, just because you're not right doesn't mean you're not good. Uh, Gail right. C., who is a casting director for a while, who's now the artist director of Stage of St. Louis, she told her kids all the time that she goes, Not good. I mean, not right doesn't mean not good. But the main thing, again, is you're not going to get your joy. There's no clapping in any of my classes because I also don't want them to do anything for external adoration. Mm-hmm. I want them to come from the joy themselves, and also I think clapping sometimes defines them. Somebody gets up and does a monologue, and maybe the people cheer more for one person and less for another person, and that person then starts to define that thing over and over again. So we, I eliminate clapping in my class. They do it for their internal joy, and so when they go into all those auditions, they're not getting joy from the casting director, musical director, anybody in there. That's not their job. Their job is to book a show. Your job mm-hmm. is to seek your joy, share your art, and get a fucking snack, and that's it. As we all know, what our jobs are. And so when my kids come out, man, it's I'm like tearing up. It's the most beautiful thing when they're just like they don't care about the job they don't give a shit they're just like i did my art i got my donut it was the best fucking day in new york city and that's what we promote every day at the school i just want to be the joy and the light all the time for these kids because i also say look in three years you might want to do this anymore but as long as you still have joy with what you're doing as a veterinarian and taking care of puppies great get a snack after you're done with that treat Mm -hmm. yourself for god's sake because what you said is important too i don't think people are selfish enough in the positive sense be selfish go treat yourself mm-hmm. like i don't think selfish is derogatory when it comes from a place of love like be full of yourself when you get that milkshake from five guys and your fries after you just sang in front of bernie telsey you fucking earned it so that's I, I love that we're on the same page that makes me really happy
1: yeah i think that is i think that is absolutely huge I, you know and and treat i feel like there's like a there's such a masochistic energy that we go through when we're in this industry like I can't, yes. I can't have that to eat because I'm, you know, I'm going to gain half a pound or right. you know, that doesn't go with my right. Broadway body or whatever. Right. And,
0: right. 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 But, no, but, but also the snack doesn't have to be uh, material. I also right. tell the kids, if, honestly, if the snack is calling aunt Lisa who saw you right. sing when you were five, right. It's, as long as it's giving you joy. That's all that the snack is supposed to embody. That's it. If you like walking across GW Bridge every time you do a thing to see the city that you're invested in, mm-hmm. that's your snack. But mm-hmm. just give something to yourself for God's sake. And so I and my kids love it. And they're I just I got I'm like a proud like I got my snack. I'm like woohoo, and it just makes me happy. Anyway, you
1: no, know, I'm obsessed with that. You said something interesting that I you know really relate to, and it's like the, what do you do. Uh, you don't have to do it if three years down the road you're like this doesn't bring me joy. I'll never forget I was doing a show and I literally was on stage and I was like, oh no, yeah, <laughs> uh, especially and this is a good transition. I had just I had just spent sixty thousand dollars a year in a four year program. You know, and I, I was, I've been in the industry 22 years as of today. Um, not, not, no, am I today? Not like today, like to- oh, Okay. <laughs> I phrased that wrong. <laughs> like as of today, today, no, um, June. I think June 30th is you know when I when I did my first show. The ticket, my first ticket, is on my bedside table, and I kiss it. That's awesome. Bed. I kiss it before oh, bed every night. Yeah. Um, I love that. Yes. And um, so, you know, 22 years as of this year, I should say. And, um, you know, this industry is all I know and what I love. And I started as a performer, but I've always loved the industry. I've always loved uh the trends and figuring it out and how to communicate and getting that email and updating my website, even in 2003, like when it was like, when
0: <laughs> good for you, there was
1: nothing like seeing at the end of a bio, someone have a website Websites. in 2003 yes. and just, yes. being, and for some reason I obsessed over it and I took your book in eighth grade, just so I can have an hour of computer time a day and in smart school, man update my, my website. If I had an idea, I would write it down and then bring it to your book and log in and change it. Um, which I love, I just love doing, and I understand not everyone loves doing it, but I did. And, um, so one day I was doing a show and I looked out and I was like, oh fuck, this is, you know, I, I just spent four years of college and X amount of, um, years and also a family that, this is going to be really hard to tell them, Hey, mm-hmm. I think I have to switch gears because I have that good problem where my family only wants to see me perform, you know, oh. they, they supported me so much that it was like, amazing. I know I was never like, well, you should be a doctor. You should be a, a lawyer. You should be anything like that. It was like, a, you know, my grandma to this day and it's, you know, I have to really remind her I'm happy. Is that, and I'm still I'm still a performer, but I have things that help me not have to go to the auditions. I don't want to face right. the rejection daily. I have things that help me protect that because I'm making six figures a year by right. still be creating in this industry. And then she understands and remembers and stuff like that. But you know, every once in a while, she go, I just want to see you sing, and it's beautiful. But sometimes it feels as if what I'm doing is not what my family wants me to do, or it's maybe not the most important thing. So finding the joy from within is Mm -hmm. extra important when, you know, so I love the like not clapping approach because finding the joy from within is the most peaceful thing we can experience
0: right and it's eternal when you want it to be right it's an ever flowing fountain of joy if you take that perspective to it sure days are crappy and shitty and things fucking happen to all of us right but we can find those joy in the silent moments too i can just stop for a second and take a breath and look at a leaf and be like you know what i'm alive i'm breathing I'm here on those really, really bad days. Now, there's other days you're really breathing in that joy too. But I, I think it's great that your parents have been so supportive of you too. That's, I mean, my parents were as well, and and they also say all the time, like, "Are you an audition again?" I was like, "Well, I'm building a school, but maybe I'll go back." But this is what I'm doing right now. Um, and I also was a real estate agent for 20 years. I still have my real estate license. I got it as my quote-unquote survival job right after 9/11 when I moved here. And I love doing real estate. Even my friends still like, "Can you help me sell my apartment?" I'm like, "Sure." I mean, that happens all the time still. I'm still a producer, right? Like I produced a Broadway show and I just got an email from a guy last night being like, can you come see my show if you're interested in investing? I was like, yeah, I might put my toe back in. So I hopefully parents of this generation day and age are learning that it's not just a linear thing. It's not like you are X, you are X and X defines you. I'm like, no, mm-hmm. I'm a spirit. I'm an individual, like the Buddhists call people vows. And I was like, no, I'm a vow. I'm an amorphous, universal, eclectic, myriad spirits. Mm-hmm. And I don't have to be just one thing just because you were an architect. But that doesn't define me either. This job doesn't define who I am. It's just what... I'm getting joy out of currently. In 10 years, I might run for office. Or in 10 years, I might move to Bali with my wife. I mean, I don't know. But in this present moment, teaching kids and bringing them joy and hoping them opening a door saying, it can be this too, that lights my soul on fire. So I'm going to keep doing that until it doesn't light my soul on fire. And then I find something else that does. I don't know who told us that we had to do one thing our whole lives. I think it goes back to the cheap happiness Dostoevsky, right? Like, where did that medium come from our moniker come from from all these people like just do one thing i'm like why i got one whatever you believe i got one journey on this rock i want to do nine thousand things so
1: i i feel like inherently as human beings we are multi-hyphenates like molly brown the ensignable molly brown was a multi-hyphenate she was an actor and an activist and and that was in you know the turn of the century 19 yes 19 right you know But 1912 and what and then after she survived the titanic you know went on to a career and did a bunch of things but and mel brooks look he started his multi-eventing career in 1949 and you know we i'm reading mary rogers is shy i'm almost done with it and there are she writes when she writes about people in the industry from the 40s 50s 60s she hyphenates people. There's, um, she says, oh, this person was a da 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 And I'm like, it's right there. It's always existed. So why today are we telling ourselves that we can't multi-hyphenate, be have more than one proficiency? And I think around the 70s, 80s, like the rise of like... Um, Meisner um Uta Hagen people people uh, z- z- people that were teaching I think mm-hmm. they had professed a lot that they were like uh and um Stephen at was I uh, was just on my podcast and he was saying how his teacher um Esper uh Michael Esper um, yeah. William Esper not Michael Esper William Esper yeah
0: William uh, yeah
1: yeah, William Esper. Mike, who's Michael Esper? William <laughs> Esper um, was like, if basically just like, why are you worried about everything else? Like, you need to do this. You need to figure this out if you want to be an actor. You have to do this. So I think around that time, it was instilled that artists, actors specifically, could not do more than one thing if they wanted to be a serious actor. But there are so many serious actors that I see that I'm like, you are an actor producer writer director and their moments on stage on film in tv are not compromised because of the other things that they do they are brilliant brilliant workers so
0: it's that's interesting. a great way to put it you saying not compromised is great I, love it. I remember being in an audition class with somebody who said i was coming from my real estate job and i was late a little bit and the person said to me like you can't do both. Like the city is too difficult for you to do both. At the time, I well, <laughs> I, I I understood their point. They're like, this isn't a small town, but like you're going up against the best, of the best. And I'm like, I get that, but I still think I can. And back to your point, I remember when I first produced my first show, but then my Broadway show, a lot of actors were like, wait, you can produce and act? I'm like. Yeah, is there some biblical law that says you can't? I don't, and so then a bunch of actors were like, can we go out to lunch and you teach me about what producing a Broadway show is like? I'm like, yeah, sure, let's go get a milkshake. Let's have a, a chat. And it was amazing. And then no, I'm not saying it because of me at all, but actors I'm seeing are producing a lot more these days. Like they're doing a lot more of their, I call them proactive actors instead of reactive actors. Mm-hmm. Which I tell my students to be as well. Don't go in there all the time asking for a job, go out there and build some shit. Right? right. Like you all are intelligent human beings like don't have this moniker of like the starving artist or the poor actor or whatever the heck it is or like whatever this moniker used to be like actors are, you know, not intelligent. You guys are stupidly smart. You're philosophers. You're, you know, I'm, I'm storytellers, but you also can do a thousand different things like you said. So it's great when I see actors go out and produce their own cabarets or own shows while they're in a Broadway show. Right. I'm like, let's go. Let's take over this industry. Let's do this shit. So I'm, I'm right with you, man.
1: If Patty, if Patty Lapone can do Lame Mouche after a Saturday doing a Vita, yes. doing a Vita yes. I think we can do that as well.
0: I love that. Or again, if you're on Broadway, a lot of times you have eight hours of the day. If you don't have understated rehearsal, what are we doing? I mean, I was luckily on Broadway for a long time and I'm like, I want to do other shit. Sometimes I'm tired, but I was doing real estate while I was doing my Broadway shows. So it's like, I can't just sit here. Let's do some stuff or produce. So I just love that you're bringing this to the masses and letting them realize there's a a door opening that is a possibility than just this linear thing that you might have thought was the only possibility for you. So good on you, man, it's it's fucking great. I hope more actors become universal hyphenates. Also, I was gonna say, I think we're also, like you said, inherently, uh, multi-hyphenates because if you're a mom and you have a job and you come home and you have a kid already you're a multi-hyphenate because you're a mom and you have a job right or i watch movies and i read books does that make me a multi-hyphenate because i have two different ways i'm exploring art so i think like you said it is inherent it's just this opening the door we that we are from a very young age so you're dead on man it's great
1: it's just what i know it's just what i've known like you know my when my grandma i first of all i have a um deep connection with the titanic i was on the sh- i was on the ship in a past life and i discovered it when i saw the movie it came out when i was seven in the theater and i remember being like oh my god yeah i remember that no that's not what it looked like and being wow. fast- yeah being fascinated by it so my i was so obsessed that my first grade teacher made me research another ship because i couldn't stop thinking about uh thinking about it thinking. lol you. <laughs> <laughs> I've ne- that's very that's like a not oh, a, Freudian, a Freudian slip yeah, no, that's, yeah. what that's is
0: that I don't even know what that it's a, a past life great. slip that's actually that very great.
1: funny um I love that uh i never stopped thinking about it I could never stop talking about it thinking about it and she said and so I had to research the Andrea Doria and I brought that to my grandma and she goes well do you want to make your own titanic but with the andrea doria and i said absolutely and i still have the script it's in the bedroom um but she literally on the second page like we wrote the andrea doria new a new telescript or whatever it says in the front and in the second page, it says, written by Michael Kushner, starring Michael Kushner, directed by Michael Kushner, produced by Michael Kushner. And I was seven years old at that time. So in my mind, it was just embedded that I was That's like, great. why can't I just do it? Why aren't you doing everything? I... Uh- I
0: don't know. That's, that's so great, man. That, God, what our grandparents and wisdom teachers when we were young age is such an impactful moment of those things of you. I mean, that's just great that your synapse is connected that way, saying so it's a possibility. Yeah, awesome.
1: Well, let's transition into talking about, I'm so great with transitions. Let's transition <laughs> into talking about the Institute for American Musical Theater.
0: Let's. So, what would you like, yes, yeah.
1: Tell me about, um, let's talk about philosophy first. Why? Great. Since we're talking about why, why I am t.
0: I love it. So I was in um, backstage of Matilda in my last Broadway show. And we were just thinking like, all these guys were around me. And we were all, I was a finance major in college, a finance philosophy major in college. But somehow I, I uh, went on an audition and I booked this national tour and I left school with 20 credits left. I was going to have my internship at a bank and go be a banker or a lawyer or something. Anyway, I started singing and dancing and producing and going this stuff. And so when I was backstage at this Broadway show and all these guys were like, oh, my student loan payments. I was like, what are you talking about? Like well, I went to X school, I will never talk about a school specifically. I'm just going to make a broad generalization. Generic, yeah. um, <laughs> thank you. Yeah. And they're like, well, I have this and this and this because I went to school for this long. And I was like, I was like, wait, you ha- you owe how much money? And they're like, I owe, you know, a hundred and I was like, wait for what? And they're like, yeah, I was like, not that I'm putting the profession down, but I was like, I think it's a valuable artistic form that we're learning. I was like, but why are you spending the same amount of money that a person who is a banker who can pay that off in a year? And we're doing the same thing. And then I looked online and I saw that some of these colleges pay exponentially different salaries to their biology professors or their finance professors. And they do their directing professors, their music professors. I was like, well, if the school devalues this degree Based on finances in a qualitative form to say we don't value this degree as much because we're paid them less. Why are all these kids paying the same amount of tuition? then? And I was like, why isn't there some sort of progressive tuition where if I'm a social worker, and I'm going to only net about $50,000 a year, why am I still paying the same as a A pre-med major or an engineering or an architect or a finance major I was like this doesn't make any sense and they're inherently telling you that your degree isn't worth as much but you're still paying the same amount of money and I was like wow there's something wrong here there's something unethical about this and I got really pissed off and so um uh me and a a partner like we started talking and I was like you know he was like I have this idea I was like I think it's a great idea and so started this school and we're like why don't and then I thought to myself well who's going to teach it And I was like why don't we teach it? Like, why doesn't the industry teach it? Why, why aren't there schools that had the industry doing it? Because, and some of the guys actually in the dressing room said to me, um, whatever, they were like, well, you never went to school for this. How can you teach it? And I was like, well, I'm in the same dressing room you are. And I was like, we're in the exact same spot. So I don't understand. And I was like, and I have a, right, I have a few credits on my resume, you have few credits on your resume, just because I didn't go to school for it. We're sitting in the same dressing room. I'm singing the same song as you are. So I was like, you know what? Let's do this shit. So we started out in Pearl Studios and we basically called a bunch of friends and said, you've been in 17 Broadway shows. Do you want to teach dance? And they're like, yes. Like (laughs) You've been in five movies. Do you want to teach film and TV? Yeah. Great. Do you have your BFA? I don't give a shit. Do you have your master's? I don't give a shit because you've done it. So let's learn on the fly how to teach and what a curriculum could be from what you – liked at your school but you didn't and then we'll also make it like an eighth of the cost of what other schools are because kids should not be in financial debt and have it be an impediment to be an artist like the reason why monet was a badass is because he was homeless smoking cigarettes in Montmartre, making fucking paintings it wasn't because he had bills from student loans from the french school of impressionism because it didn't fucking exist because he made it up right him and manet and dagan and they're like let's get fucking in and make some shit right so they did that shit and so i was like I'm tired of this being a impediment for artists. So let's let's do this shit. So business partner, and I did this. Uh, I'm now the sole director of the school. We uh, built a, a space up in Washington Heights. that's 8,000 square feet. I'm actually sitting in our other space. We have a black box theater that we just built last year. Um, we have you know, kids on Broadway and national tours and regional theaters and film and TV. One girl's on the Lizzo national tour. And why? Because they're meeting the people in the industry that kind of run the industry. And I believe that in the future, I truly do. And when we talk to parents at Unified and these places that we go to, these parents are like, this makes sense. And like, right. Because a lot of business is about networking and that access that you have. Right. So if you go to school, which is fine, and you pay all that money. And then they throw you to New York city. And they're like, well, who do I know? And they're like, well, we don't care. Thanks for the money. Good luck. And you're like, here's your one agent showcase. Have a good time. And I was like, what? Cause again, I didn't go to school for this. I was like, this is archaic. Like, what are we doing? And I talked to my friends who run hedge funds. Now I said, you know, If there was a school that was taught by everybody at Goldman Sachs, would you go to that two year school instead of UVA? And they're like, in two seconds, because they learn more in the six months they learned at Goldman Sachs than they did in the four years there at UVA. And I said, well, then we're doing this shit. And so built a school, you know, I call and then me as a producer, I'm like, I'm only going to do new works at the school. And the reason why is because when I used to produce shows, just doing a reading man would cost $30,000. And my investors were like, I'm not going to give you. 30 grand, because that doesn't move my financial needle, like I'll give you 100, 200k, because that will move my needle in a Broadway show. So all these people that want to do new art have to pony up 15 grand, 12 grand, 17 grand, to do the, you know, um, the, the Michael podcast musical, right? But you can't get real investors to do that. So I was like, you know, what if we had a school that Every semester I had two new works with composers and choreographers and directors, and these kids get to learn how to create roles, and they get to meet composers, and they get to have new works on their resume, and I could give a space to new and budding people, creatives, where they don't have to raise $30,000 for their musical about Google Pixel EarPods, whatever the crazy shit they want to do. So we give them a space. I have a theater. I have the kids. I have the musical director. I have all the pianos. You don't have to pay for a thing, really. I mean, except if you want to bring a director in and I give it to you. And then when you're done, you're like, you bring producers and investors. So my kids get to do new works. They get to work on new material instead of doing Hello Dolly 19 times at school, which you're going to do at, you know, Beef and Boards Theater anyway. Why don't you do some new shit? And so that's what we built. So the why is Let's have a what we call in business a, an economic substitute. Mm-hmm. If you have very few economic substitutes like Pepsi and Coke, you know about a choice. For a long time, it was just a BFA. And even mm-hmm. when we weren't unified. Some dad was like, "I really want my kid to get BFA, and I love this. You're gonna love this." I was like, "Why?" And the dad said, uh, "What do you mean?" I was like, "Why?" And he said, "Shit, I don't know." <laughs> He's like, "That's what they're just telling me I'm supposed to do." I'm like, "Well, why?" And that's why I love you. And the dad was like, "Wait, let me get my son." And they brought their son in and we showed the son our schedule of, we train nine to five every day with no gen ed classes. We just go to town on this thing. And the kid was like, wait, I saw the schedule of the school I'm applying to. There's like one acting class a week or two acting classes a week. And there's one dance class a week. I'm like, right. And the dad was like, wait, what the fuck? And so (laughs) it was just, And again, not that our school is perfect for everybody, but now there's an economic substitute. Now there's at least, and the great thing, Michael, is that I love too is that if you don't want to go to our school and get a BFA, that's great. Now you know even more that you want that. Instead of it just being the only choice, now you're like, at least there's something different to say, oh, I hate IMT. I don't want to. Good. That's great. Go get your BFA from Michigan, from Ithaca, from amazing schools as well. Please go do that. But you might also think, wait a second. Maybe I don't like that as much. And now there's a choice. And I think in a democratic republic, choice is the most important thing. Like we talk about being multi-hyphenate. You have a choice to do 9,000 things. Mm -hmm. I have a choice of what water I buy. And now there's a choice of a different kind of learning environment, I think, to be like, oh, I'm going to go learn from MJ Slinger in musical theater that we have, who's the associate choreographer of Mrs. Doubtfire, who's doing a a show at the Shenandoah Musical Theater for Summer Festival, and who's going to be auditioning the kids that he teaches every day at my school. That's networking, that's access, right? Like, you know, one of the people that taught dance at our school, you know, knew the creatives of Music Man, and they were like, We should call because there's a kid at that school that's really, really good. And they're like, you should see this kid. And our kid booked Music Man, not just because of that, but it's because, oh, we know these people, right? Mm-hmm. Like, if you go in there and they see on your resume, Oh, you know Jerry Mitchell? Oh, shit, I worked with him. How is Jerry? And that, when they get to the end of it, is going to say, who do we want to work with? This kid that we don't know anything about, who might be a sociopath, or this person here who knows Jerry Mitchell, I can call Jerry and say, do you like Michael? You're like, oh, Michael's the shit. I'm definitely going to do that. So that's what we built. And, and it's a two-year program with a three-year, a third-year optional that we invest a little bit more on directing and acting. Mm-hmm. Our, the directing head is the associate director of Kimberly Akimbo. On Broadway he's the head of our directing program my friend Matt DiCarlo who's the associate director of Moulin Rouge comes, is going to come in and do a master class right I was in rock of age with Jeremy Jordan he comes in as a master class right mm-hmm. I have the other thing we like to do is we don't do a one agent showcase which you might like because I if you have IBS that day or shitting your pants your <laughs> fucking dog died or something like that you have one shot after four years to get in front of these agents we do something called agent April and so I do is I bring 17 to 20 agents in and you audition every day for a different agent every Uh. single day so what you learn from that michael a is how to audition because by audition number seven you're like i'm tired maybe this outfit's not working blah blah blah. it's like a master's class in audition and you could have three shitty days but nine great days and now you're like oh i made some good um networking there but those three days weren't great and by the end of it we had 17 kids signed by eight by agents last spring like 17 like that's huge and the spread eagle Spread, spread spread eagle. I love that. Number um,
1: 17, the spread 17, eagle. The spread
0: eagle. Um Chicago. God, I love it. Anyway, <laughs> that was great. But that's what we want to build. We want to build not a better mousetrap, but a different mousetrap. At least mm. as long as there's choice, right? Mm. I'm not saying mine is better or worse than anybody else's, because that's subjective mm. bullshit, right? <laughs> Thank you for the head pop. Um, but also at least there's choice. And that's all I want, that you need to make a choice, not you have to do a BA or a BFA. How about a certificate program where your teacher is the associate choreographer of Business Doubtfire, who's going on a tour and a lot, who knows 9,000 people because we're old and decrepit and we've been in this business for 20 years. Let us help you with your connections and networking for God's sake, because I think that's a massive bonus along with your education and training.
1: You know, I don't think Merman went to a four-year program and got a BFA. <laughs> In that case, I
0: pronounce you lucky. Play for free at luckylandslots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.
1: You know, I just think people were like, I'm here to sing. I'm here to act. I'm here to dance. I'm here to perform. I'm going to train. And then I'm going to show up in audition rooms. Ah, I mean, it. Uh, so, you know, in your, in your, in our, um, agreement to stay, uh, um, generic, uh, you know. I'm, 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 <laughs> nice. I'm, I'm generic. Re- generic, yes, generic. Generic, yes, generic, generic. Generic. Next
0: job, yes.
1: Um, I, you know, I'm in my my headshot studio right now, and um, yeah. I have a twelve and a three p.m. and I'm act and I'm at um anxiously awaiting them because I love I love what I what I do and I'm very lucky. Um, great, but uh you know, it doesn't matter what college they're from. Sometimes my clients will be from some of the top schools of musical theater and have nowhere, no, no, have no idea where to start. Not a single. Thank you. Not a single place to start. I'm like you just spent so much money and you weren't told a single thing. Like a sing, you you don't know about your union. You don't know about. Michael?
0: It makes me so mad. I just did, I, I do business classes with the kids. I so was a finance major. I go through Roth IRAs and 401ks and pensions and unions in terms of sags and managers and per diems and survival jobs. I mean, go through the entire tax system. Should you incorporate? Should you not incorporate? S corp, C corp, B corp, LLC. What do you want to do? Like, there are so many actors now that are becoming incorporated because they realize the tax incentives for that, and if they haven't for 15 years is absolutely insane, right? All but a lot of the people that come in, I pay them through their corporations because they're like, oh, this is my corporation and this is this. But these kids aren't taught shit. Excuse me, generically about the business and it makes me, I was in Rock of Ages and I remember having like business class with some people and one of the people came in and said, what's that? I was like, that's my 401k. And she was like, what's a 401k? And this person's had six Broadway shows. So no matter what, they have a 401k because it's already invested from the Broadway show. We opened up a 401k and there's $25,000 in there. I mean, it's not a ton, it's not a little, but after being in six Broadway shows, she could have had $400,000 in that 401k, but nobody fucking told her. And so my friends are like, why don't you go into all the equity meetings when you start and teach them? I was like, well, also, why isn't our union doing this? why isn't all these schools doing a business class about the business and the great thing is when the kids leave my class parents call me like why is my kid yelling at me about a Roth IRA I was like Uh I have a Roth IRA I was like it's not my fault they should be investing in the Roth IRA every month let's go I will help them out I don't get any money off of it here's some financial advisors here's a bank a friend of mine that runs they will take care of your kid let me help you. I also read the contracts for the kids because some of them don't have manager or yet. They send me the contract. I go over with them. I also go in and sign. When they all go sign their agencies, I sit there with them a lot of times because I'm like, I'm going to be here for you no matter what. You're manager the rest of your life. But Michael, it it, it it angers me to no end that this has not, and I'll finish up my massively long, uh, probably annoying monologue.
1: But no, this is why you're that here.
0: They're, okay, but they're dropping, they're learning the same shit. 40 years ago they are now but their prices are 10 X because they need better buildings. We need to, we need to compete with the Joneses. I have to have the biggest theater in the country. I'm like, so these kids are dropping this back in 1967, you're teaching the same acting and the same dance. And they spent $4 in a Dunkin' Donuts coupon then. And now they're dropping 60 a year. Like when is the tipping point happening? And if we want to talk about diversity and inclusion too, so that only the rich kids get to train, Hmm? Like yeah. this is a thing, right? And so only the kids that can afford voice lessons when they're seven, eight, nine, and the ballet class when they're seven, eight, nine, and the and the acting class when they're seven, nine, to then go to these schools, they only get the best shot. This is bullshit. Like this is really pissing me off. So this is why we built this. We want to give people a shot and say, okay, excuse me, let's give everybody hopefully a chance to do this shit.
1: Passionate IBS right there. Yeah.
0: Oh, I love that. Passionate IBS. That's <laughs> great. You got passionate yeah,
1: yeah. IBS. I got Jewish IBS. Um, so,
0: <laughs> uh, so
1: okay. Now I have a question because say there are high school students um, listening to this uh, episode, okay? And they're like wondering about the college church, but you talk about, which I want to talk about, what is your outsource like? How do you find students because you mentioned unifieds which I did you know in 2009 when I was auditioning for colleges and stuff but how do, how do you find the kids that might not be able to get to New York or Chicago to audition or have to fly to certain yeah. schools because they don't budge and you have to come to them which means it's a yeah, job
0: we don't do that. Everything we can do, every audition online. We ask for videotapes, do it in your house, in your whatever the heck you want, in your basement. Give us a video submission online of 232 contrasting songs. It was really funny, too. A lot of the kids are like, Do you want to see a monologue? And I'm like, well, I can see you act in your song. And they're like, Oh, yeah, you're right. That was hilarious to me. They're like, Do you want to see me act in my monologue? I'm like, I want to see you tell a story in your song. Why are you not telling a story in your fucking song?
1: Well. And it was amazing.
0: <laughs> that's that a, could whole be a whole other, other
1: conversation.
0: it's not a whole other podcast, but I mean, that's a big thing at the school, you know, too, is storytelling first. <laughs> You're all storytellers first. No, everything you can do with video submission if you want to. We do have an in person at the school if you want to, and then we will fly. You know, we're going to the Georgia Thespian Festival. We just went to the Virginia Thespian Festival. We're going to SCTC. I'll see well. you there. Which one? Georgia. Nice. I'll see Are you there you... next week. Yes. Yes. Oh my God, we can have dinner. Yeah perfect this makes that's so very happy.
1: exciting
0: <laughs> <laughs> great um yeah so we, we we're starting before in the past um uh the, the past uh admissions would do just basically social media we would be, our instagram has seventeen thousand seven hundred followers we're building a TikTok now a lot of the kids found us through instagram to be perfectly honest they're like find this and then the original students of course would put on their instagram and then everybody's like what the hell is the school why is ricky heinz teaching there all the time this is amazing why is Les bachini there all the time oh my god you know why is uh you know, Corey Cott teaching there, what, Derek Lena, where is this place? Now we're doing a little bit more outreach and recruitment in the sense where we're kind of coming to the kids because a lot of people still don't know it even exists. And we go to these unifieds, they're like, what is this school? And then after we tell them, like maybe a 30 second elevator pitch, they're like, wait, we want to audition here. I'm like, okay, so it's come in. And now it's kind of, to, it's it's percolating out there. Kids are writing in a lot more. They're like, we know about this now. Oh my gosh, this is my number one school. I'm like, oh, this is, it's changed from a little bit. Hey, this is who we are to be like, oh my God, I know about you. I have to come to this school. I'm like, that's great. That gives me so much joy that the perception of the brand is joy and happiness and love. And that's all I want. Um, so that's kind of how we do it in the past, in the future. We're teaming up actually with some TikTok uh, graduates of ours to do some promotions with them. Um, so that's anyway but yeah everything's online if you want to be online
1: it's amazing um i just can't stand that like certain schools make these kids fly out to them have that means...
0: caste system right so who has the money to fly who has the money to do that i mean what are we doing here we're saying diversity inclusion but we're not actually doing it
1: no find a hotel you know rent a car to get there it's just you know it's it's a mess. preach
0: preach um, yes
1: now you know i sort of relate to that because as a business because um what's funny is i when i'm looking at my my demographic demographics for clients in terms of age in terms of um experience in the industry in terms of where people come from who i'm photographing the pho- the people that i photograph the least is um is is senior musical theater and acting BFAs. Hmm. And I'll tell you why. Because, and this is not knocking any other photographer, because we all have different styles. I don't photograph in a way that makes you look like you're a three-time Oscar nominee by the time you're 18. <laughs>
0: <laughs> That's amazing. And I love that. I
1: was a college senior from a BFA program. I remember wanting... The most gorgeous photo that made me look like I was an absolute superstar because that I mean, was what was sort of bestowed upon us. And that's what we saw the the older kids do before us. And what is the first thing that happens when you get an agent and you start getting feedback after you graduate? You need new headshots. New and, headshots. And I feel like that is often a way and very easy way for agents and managers to go um, to, to bestow their control upon their, um, their client. It doesn't take any energy to just be like, yeah, you need new pictures. You need this, 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 and this. And it looks like they're really invested and involved. Um, other people I think really do care and they're like, no, 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 but whatever. But I feel like it's a first like check Mark and whatever. Mm -hmm. Um, but that's, you know, that's just from my own experiences and things like that, and what clients bring into me and stuff like that. But what I will say is, when those clients get that feedback of "I need something that looks more like me," that's when they come to me.
0: Because, Interesting,
1: you know. And I feel like IAMT is sort of like that. We cut the fat. Yes, you know. We, yes, we sort of cut the fat. We're not interested in the bells and whistles no we're accessible when it comes to our prices and our outreach yeah and 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 we deliver like my clients get into rooms your students work and yes so when you say i'm you know being like you weren't my first choice but now you are it's I have that experience because awesome. I, of the way that I photograph. I photograph you, and specifically you. I think a lot of colleges sort of go. It is a personalized, you know, program. You will work. You leave with a, you know, a big um, uh, uh, network of people. And I'm like, look, from my experience at Ithaca, we did. We have what's called the Ithaca Mafia, and you know, uh, if you see Ithaca on the resume. It's great. That's amazing. But other schools do not have that. And there are things that Ithaca had that there are things that other schools had that Ithaca did not have from my experience that have changed over the years. And, um, I loved my experience. I would not trade it for the world, but today, if I was to be auditioning for colleges what would I be looking for since the industry has changed? Because the industry has changed. The industry has changed so drastically that IAMT has an extreme... Place in this industry and what you offer, especially when it comes to accessibility, when it comes to how fast the industry is moving with social media and changing in response to social injustice in terms of racism, anti-Semitism, things like that. That's when this program comes in handy, and I think everyone needs to get behind that. (laughs)
0: <laughs> oh, you're so kind. You just made my, thank you so much. Yeah, and also some kids don't want to train for four years. Dancers want to go at 18 or 19. Like, let's go, right? Like, you have a, a body that has, you know, tendons and ligaments that's not going to last till you're 90 years old. So let's get out right. there and go. I mean, right. we actually, Michael, have some kids, you might like this. We have kids that are in their juniors in high school that come to our college now mm-hmm. or our school because they're like, well, through COVID, I can graduate online. So we have these phenomenally talented young kids that come in their junior year because they're like, I've kind of passed my dance studio, I passed my spoon plays, the arts has been cut in my high school, I can't do what I really want to do. So we now have some 16 year olds and 17 year old kids and their juniors, and once they graduate from their high school when they're 18, they're done here in two years and they're ready to go at 18. Like, let's go. Like, so that's actually becoming a interesting thing too. I have a lot of parents, like my kid's 16, my kid's 15, my kid's eight. I was like, oh my gosh. And these parents are like, this makes more sense. Why am I going to, my kid's already the best at her dance studio. Like she's not learning anymore from her dance studio. So that's another thing too, man. It's a whole different model. So- well,
1: well, that's another thing about BFA programs is that, um, and it's not the BFA, I don't think it's the program itself, but what I have seen is that- um the thing that is most important to a lot of people that get through BFA programs is that they are the best. Um, mm-hmm. And they remain the best that they're cast everything that they're the best in their classes. And like, as a reminder, you are paying to get feedback. And while some of that feedback might not be helpful, you, you cannot be mad if you are getting that feedback, you, you are putting yourself in that position. There's no one at fault, except your own, because you are the one that is writing the check and paying the loans to be in this environment. And you can get out, you can get out and it's okay. Like no one is going to fault you for that, but you are in a position, granted, there are a lot of things wrong with, you know, uh, uh, with things with, with, with an educational system, um in a lot of in a lot of experiences and yes there are so many uh, so many reasons to speak out and and ask for change but when it comes to your art when it comes to hey that what you weren't connected in that scene you can't run off and go to the chair and say you know i i you know my teacher was mean to me it's like no this is this is our
0: art form. right right exactly freaking right it's
1: okay for feedback. So I just love that you are, you are, you are creating an environment where it is okay and encouraged to actually learn and, and remove the ego and to actually focus on the art and the industry simultaneously.
0: That makes me so happy that you said that because that's the main thing, right? It's like we're doing art and let's do fucking art, everybody. Right, let's do right. something. What is your soul and express it? I mean, also in the beginning of all my acting classes, we do like a 10 minute breathing thing. I want these kids to get centered. I want them to find their joy in this present moment of happiness. Like we all do, it. the breath for this school is the main important thing. We breathe through our dance, we breathe through our story to we breathe through our song. I want these kids to find their breath in everything in life. I want them to go on adventures. I mean, we have a whole thing where I tell the kids, like, eat the tomato. And they're like, what is that? It's a little um, thing that we do. I say, do the thing that you're doing while you're doing it. Let's train these synapses to be present in this moment and not be distracted from this Western society shit. And let's get there. So like when you eat a blueberry, what does the blueberry feel like when you're actually shoveling 90 blueberries? So we have these little exercises to get these kids present and do their art, Michael. That's the point, right? And also, again, I keep saying this, after two years, if it's too hard and you don't want to do it, good. That's great. Now, you know, go be a veterinarian, go be a baker, right? But as long as you keep that breath and that joy and that love for your passion in life, that's all I care about. And it's rather do that, I think, than spend gobs of money and then realizing four years out, two years in the industry and be like, I'm in debt. I don't know if I can do this. It's really hard. And I have what what's going on? Again, that might be great for some people, but at least now there's an option. There's an option. A, an economic substitute. And that's all we wanted to provide. Just take a look and see. And so thank you for, for saying that. I mean, not to keep going, but I know i are almost done, but I've had so many of my friends come in too and they say, man, Erica, this was around when I was younger. Yeah. I would have gone here. No. And I said, yeah. And then some of them are like, they've done 14 broader shows. They're like, can I come to this school? I want to breathe and find joy and run around school and do my art again. And it makes me so happy that we're providing a place of joy and love for their art. And every day they can just be like, I'm just going to seek my joy and get my fucking snack. And that's all we're trying to do.
1: Do you have like, an ad- like a professional program for people like that? Like a two-year, like you've already been working. You're not of like college age age, but like... Hey, take off for two years and re rethink where you are, relearn, and then like go re. It's a,
0: it's a great idea, man. I think it would have to be night classes. I think if we would yeah. expand to that, right, and then we would start doing night classes. Do that. I mean. The big, I would love that. I mean, the main thing we're doing now is thinking about it of expansion anyway. We might have some IMTs in St. Pete because mm-hmm. there's a lot of Broadway expats all over the country, mm-hmm. right? Like I have some friends who have Tony Awards in Las Vegas and we might start doing like IMTs of school stuff in St. Pete or Dallas. Like I've already had people, friends of mine, like I will, I will run that thing. And so that's kind of a new thing we're looking into as well about how we teach about the joy and then the access. And we fly down the casting directors, right? Like these casting directors that teach all the time at my school, these kids are learning who the people from all these different casting directors are and agents, they're they're getting that. What if we flew them down to St. Pete, not just one masterclass, but like a few times. They have like a wonderful emotional connection with people from Teruben and Telsey and different casting groups. That's the point of like let's meet each other and find a community. Cause again, we're not government subsidized. You and I are building this business, right? Mm -hmm. the actors are building this business investors are building this business we're making this go so let's become this community of love and joy through our arts a little bit more than just like a competition thing that's what i'm really aching for with this industry
1: michael manaric you are absolutely incredible and my new best friend um
0: oh yay i'll see you in georgia
1: can't wait to party with you in georgia and rock and roll um it's gonna be so fun and so for anyone listening where do we find you how do we get in contact with you
0: Yes, you'll find me at Cracker Barrel. I love Cracker Barrel. Um, I'm, I'm kind of kidding, but I'm kind of not. I don't that's know why. Um, anyway, that's my... <laughs> it is, dude. I get Cracker Barrel gift cards from my kids. It makes me so happy. That's amazing. Um, It's amazing. Um, I think it's because I'm from Virginia and I just miss like the hometown, like fireplace kind of stuff. Anyway, you can go to um, our website, which is www.iamt-nyc.com. You can find us on Instagram, which is at IAMTNYC. Those are the two places we do have a TikTok now. Um, It's IAMTNYC. Definitely go to our Instagram though. I mean, you can see our kids. We have you know kids performing at lion king a funny girl six like all over the place again those national tour but um but mainly also kids doing just finding their joy elsewhere because i keep saying to the kids your joy is inside of you and you take it wherever you go if you're doing a small little theater in peoria illinois and it gives you joy that's fucking great if you're doing a 5,000 seat house that's great but it's about your perspective in life and where you bring that joy to you it doesn't success doesn't mean this money it just means the joy you do from sharing your art in this world and that's the most important thing to me
1: you are the literal best thank you so much and
0: thanks man. nice meeting you
1: thanks everyone for listening thanks to broadway podcast network and how to be a multi-hyphenate in the theater business conversations advice and tips from your multi-hyphenate published by rutledge publishing is out
0: now get it get that book get that Which book
1: It's crazy to say
0: so congratulations
1: Buy the book um uh, i need new doors in my new house okay bye <laughs> <laughs>
0: bye thank you